a distant cousin of mine lost his uh, dear uh, grandmother, Hilda, not long ago. He emailed me to tell me uh, of Hilda's death, in which he said, I know that my grandmother is in a better place. I replied, well, uh, tell me if you can. Uh, if you don't mind me asking, how, or why are you so sure that she is in a better place? Uh, hoping, uh, looking for, and uh, hoping that he would uh, talk about Jesus. But instead he responded, how do I know uh, that she's in heaven? My grandmother, I tell you, was as good as they come. Now, I know my cousin well enough Uh, to challenge him a bit, so I took it to the next level, and I replied, well, I'm sure she was just as good as they come, but what do you think about what Jesus said when he said, no one is good but God? He replied, come on, man. If my grandmama is not in heaven, then I want no part of it. I thought to myself, be careful what you want, what you ask for. Now, with that in mind, I consider the man uh, that uh, Matthew tells us he was uh, a ruler, and Luke tells us he was uh, he was young, the rich, hence the rich young ruler. Consider uh, him also because he was thinking about heaven. One day he ran up to Jesus and said, "Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life?" Now, like Hilda. The rich young ruler did not lack for morality. He said he had never committed adultery, maybe an occasional erotic glance or two, but uh, never the actual thing. Uh, He said he had never murdered anyone, according to the letter of the law. He said he had never purged himself in or out of court. No lies, he said. Maybe a few little innocuous white little lies, which is no big deal. Not... In other words, according to the letter of law, he considered himself as clean as a whistle. His conscience was clear. And by the way, he was no hypocrite, apparently, because Jesus did not take issue with any of these claims. So I suspect that his death, uh, his family and friends were also saying, as they said at Hilda's uh, grave, uh, this uh, fine man, uh, is if he is not in the kingdom of heaven, then we just don't know who is. Well, it's been observed here from this pulpit uh, many times that the first work of the Holy Spirit is to convict. Convict. If a man or woman has not been convicted of sin, then the gospel is impertinent, uninteresting, and in the final analysis, unnecessary. Obviously, this young man had not been convicted. Jesus saw this, and so he went straight for the jugular. It is written, Jesus, looking upon him, loved him and said to him, you lack one thing. Go sell everything that you have and give it away. And we are told uh, that the rich young man was not able to do that. And he walked away uh, sorrowfully. Now, here's the deal. You might not consider yourself rich. You might not be young anymore. You might not be a ruler. But this is a story about you and me. There is something that you and I cannot turn loose, even if we know that God wants us to do it. I guarantee it. I'm safe to say that about my dear cousins, 
grandmother, Hilda, hypothetically, just suppose dear Hilda had known with beyond a shadow of doubt that the Lord required her to give up something that was very precious to her. Say, just hypothetically, her children gasp. Just suppose the Lord had said, Hilda, leave your children to other loving custodians. Leave your home and come, follow me. Could Hilda have done it? Or like the rich young ruler, would she walk away soft? You've heard me tell this story before, perhaps, but years ago at St. Helena's in Beaufort, South Carolina, I was holding a weekend interview with a young man for a clergy associate position that we had open. And at the concluding of the weekend, I asked him if there were any final things that we need to talk about. He said, well, Frank, i got to be honest with you. I discern that you are maybe a workaholic, and I need you to know that I am willing to work hard, but I am not willing to sacrifice my family. And I thought a while, and I said, well, I guess if Abraham had not been willing to sacrifice Isaac, we'd have to rewrite the Old Testament. And I guess if God the Father were not willing to sacrifice his son, we'd have to rewrite the entire story of our salvation. Well, long story short, he wrote me a few days later saying that he didn't feel that God was calling him uh, to St. Helena's. <laughs> now, I tell you that story because surely we agree that the command that Jesus gave to the rich young ruler to give it all up was difficult to be obeyed. But we would have to be spiritually blind if we do not see ourselves to be of the same nature. The rich young ruler was under control of his wealth. And whether you are poor or whether you have a lot of money, we can all be controlled by money. But it might be something else. Something. Indeed, many things stand between the kingdom and us. And so taken back by this talk between the rich young ruler and Jesus, that the disciples said, then Jesus... Who can be saved? And Jesus said, With men it is impossible, but not with God. For with God all things are possible. Be persuaded that based on what we can do, based on our own merit, it is impossible for men and women to get to heaven. And to me, this is the acid test of Christianity. On one hand, everyone must agree with this central truth, this twofold message. On one hand, the depravity of human nature, and on the other hand, the absolute necessity of the direct intervention of God. Depravity and intervention of God. And if we don't agree on this one, on on this central twofold message, then you cannot be a Christian. You can be a, a, a Muslim, you can be a Hindu, but you can't be a Christian. If you believe in the sufficiency of your own good nature, then the authentic Christian message will annoy you. It will be unnecessary. You will resent the audacity of it all, just as many people resented Jesus' teaching. And they were annoyed and resented the audacity of what he was saying. You and I enter the kingdom of God. Jesus said that it would be easier Not just as hard as, but easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. 
And so Jesus is asking us not to do the impossible, but to let God do the impossible for us. And that's the story of the rich young ruler. But there's one other thing. There's one last thing before I end. And I hope we can keep this dear to our hearts. The divine commandment for the rich young ruler to surrender everything, give it up, is a window through which we can peer into the very heart of Jesus Christ. Do you see this? No one has said it any easier than St. Paul in 2 Corinthians. For you know how generous our Lord Jesus Christ has been. He was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that through his poverty you might become rich. If I had a tale to tell you of some great king who out of love for a fair maiden left his kingdom and came a peasant uh, like herself, you would listen to the charming tale. But when we hear of the almighty everlasting God emptying himself, not counting equality with God a thing to be grasped and exchanging a crown for his crown in heaven for the crown of thorns, then that is something else. And the reality of that, if there's a reality for you in your heart, then does that not have the power to transform loyalties? Just before Jesus convicted the rich young ruler, it is said that Jesus looked on him and loved him. He would go to Calvary for him. The rich young ruler's story is our story too. Because with men it is impossible, but not with God. For all things are possible with God. May God draw reluctant hearts and now give doubting souls courage to believe this for Jesus' sake. Amen.